his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This fall, voters in the Chicago area will elect a new Cook County state's attorney, whether they want another one or not. Incumbent Kim Fox isn't running again. But this weekend and next, we're going to go in-depth with the two Democrats vying to replace her. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The March 19th Democratic primary for state's attorney is a race between Clayton Harris III, a former prosecutor and now professor at the University of Chicago, and former prosecutor and retired appellate court judge Eileen O'Neill Burke. This weekend, we're going to spend time with Clayton Harris. He started his professional career in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. He worked criminal appeals, traffic and narcotics cases, among other things, but he also has spent years in government administration. Starting in the city of Chicago's Intergovernmental Relations Office, he worked in state offices and has most recently been a professor with the University of Chicago teaching a course on policing and race. We are doing this interview via Zoom conferencing and Clayton Harris III, welcome. Thank you very much, Craig, for having me on. I'm uh, excited about having this conversation and talking with the listeners about, you know, how important this race is. Well, it is indeed an important one. And, and well, let's get you to tell us a, a little bit about yourself. What, in your experience, 
uh, has shaped you into someone prepared to run a high profile office with hundreds of attorneys? I think that, you know, one of the best things that I could say uh, is I'm multidimensional now. Um, I I have a lot of different experience, life and lived experiences that make me uniquely qualified for this office. So I am a husband and a father. My wife and I live on the south side of Chicago and we're raising two little boys, nine and 11. And and we we, we deal with all the issues that are going to come before uh, the Cook County State's Attorney. Specifically speaking, as far as qualifications, you noted uh, a lot of the large ones. I'm a, uh, an attorney. I've been an attorney for now uh, five years. I'm a Howard Law grad. Uh, before that, um, well, I should start, I guess I'm a military brat. Uh, my dad was an officer in the United States Army, and my mom was an educator and a civil servant and moved every three years, graduated high school in Germany. I went to undergrad in, at Middle Tennessee State University where I did aerospace technology and I worked at the Pentagon for a little while. So I actually am a rocket scientist. I worked in the ballistic missile defense organization. Um, and then I went to law school while I was in law school. I clerked uh, under uh, Dick Devine in the Cook County state's attorney's office. And um, I was back here. So that's what even brought me here to Cook County in the city of Chicago. Um, I was, as you noted, uh, um, had an extensive career in the, uh, in the office, uh, criminal appeals, traffic. I jumped over to narcotics, ended my time in the state's attorney's office and special prosecutions narcotics. Um, and then I did go work for Mayor Daly. I, I was down in Springfield, uh, uh, back and forth to Springfield, I should say, working on his crime agenda where we uh, worked to pass legislation uh, for common sense gun uh, legislation, uh, which has led to the assault weapons ban, which I'm very proud of. Um, I was chief of staff for the Illinois Department of Transportation. I mentioned that because uh, that is where I got a lot of my managerial experience. I managed a large office of over 5,000 individuals while embarking upon the largest public works uh, um, project that the state has ever seen. Uh, so it was a billion dollar project. We did the Dan Ryan and the Kingery Expressway. Um, very successful there. And that allowed me to become the chief of staff in the governor's office over all of infrastructure for the state of Illinois. Um, and ultimately chief of staff in the uh, governor's office. I also was with a global engineering design build firm where I did government affairs for the central United States. I was executive director at the Illinois, Inter it, it, at International, Illinois International Port District. And like you noted, I have uh, been a professor at the University of Chicago for the last 15 years as well. Well, let's talk about uh, one part of the experience, because uh, your opponent spent most of her time in the courtroom, whether as a judge or uh, a prosecutor. And, uh, you know, in the uh, in your joint uh, appearances, she says you haven't been in courtrooms for decades. Why isn't that a disadvantage? Because this office, you know, is it, fundamentally misunderstanding what this office uh, needs as the state's attorney. You need someone who can manage the assistant state's attorneys. They're the ones who are going to be in the office. They're the ones that are going to need the resources. They're the ones that uh, we're going to have to recruit and we're going to retain. So you need someone who's done this before. You need someone who can manage an office. You need someone who has lived experience dealing with all the issues that are going to come before the state's attorney's office, as well as maintaining the office in and of itself. And I am multidimensional, so I know the office inside and out, but I can also manage the office from the inside and out because I've done this before. 
And I remind people, uh, this is the second largest office in the nation, the prosecutor's office in the nation. Uh, so it's important that someone have this skill set uh, on day one. And, and I do possess that. Well, let's talk about what's happening uh, inside the courtrooms. Uh, one of the issues that uh, I know will come up is uh, has to do with uh, retail theft. Cook County merchant groups, you know, have been outraged that Kim Fox stopped prosecuting many retail thefts as felonies. If the take was under a thousand dollars, state law sets uh, three hundred dollars as the threshold. Um, Kim Fox says that uh, that had uh, too many of her prosecutors handling low level theft. Your opponent says she'd reverse that policy. What do you say? I say that I'm telling people exactly what we're going to do, and I'm not pandering to uh, certain groups. We're going to hold the threshold at $1,000 for an automatic felony, charging at a felony. But we're going to hold everyone accountable. The difference is I'm willing to tell you what we're going to do. I'm telling everyone we're going to hold everyone accountable, but we're going to hold them appropriate, accountable appropriately. So at $300, let's say someone comes and takes my cell phone. $300 right there. I do not believe that that is worth a felony on someone's record for the rest of their life. I still think they have to be held accountable and we'll do that under my administration. But let's say someone smashes or breaks in. So now when we start talking about smashing grabs, and this is where people are being led astray, when there's a smash and grab, it doesn't matter whether the the, the uh, merchandise costs $1,000, $300 or $4. If there's a smashing, then we can charge as a burglary, and that's a felony. Now, same scenario. They smash and take my phone, we charge as a burglary. They just take my phone off uh, a table, right? Uh, we're, we're still charging as a misdemeanor. Uh, we're moving forward. But then let's say they take the phone off my person, and they do this with any type of force whatsoever. We can charge that as a robbery, also a felony. So I'm not pandering and saying what I'm telling everyone is we're holding everyone accountable appropriately. Now, if this is someone's not their first right offense on doing this, we can charge them as a felon. We can do that. All I'm telling you is that $1,000 will be our threshold for an automatic felony. We're still prosecuting individuals below $1,000. We're just holding everyone accountable appropriately. Now, besides the felony threshold, what are the uh, things that you feel outgoing state's attorney Kim Fox uh, has done well in office, things that you would want to continue? Well, she's done some things, Craig, that have been nationally replicated. Um, we're going to continue doing that. And that's been around the reformative and restorative justice. I think these uh, items have been uh, uh, or these issues that she's tackled. Um, has has been the right thing to do. They have been the right thing to do. Um, so we're going to continue with that. When we look at reform, when we look at restorative justice, when we look at uh, the conviction uh, review unit, we're going to continue with that. I think it's the right thing to do. My platform is one of safety and justice, that we can do more than one thing at a time and that they both demand one another. It's not an either or proposition. It's an and. So that's what we're going to focus on, both. But where are there some areas that you feel need to be improved in that office? I think that when we talk about uh, um, the story of the safety aspect of what's going on in the state's attorney's office, we need to make sure that people understand what the prosecutor does and how they work with the community, how they work with law enforcement, and how we move forward to ensure that everyone knows that they're being uh, kept safe as well as uh, we're doing it in a just fashion. So I think that what we need to do is attack some of the crimes that has 
that have people worried. When you talk about gun crimes, you know, this is the highest uh, uh, prosecuted. These are the highest prosecuted cases in, in, in the county. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand up a division that is dedicated to carjacking, organized crime, organized retail theft. And we're going to make sure that uh, we are prosecuting these cases aggressively when uh, and we're called for. When I went through the office, I went through special prosecutions, narcotics. So I know how we can work up a case. A lot of times what people see is the bottom rung of a pyramid or a triangle, these individuals. But they're really being sent out by uh, the heads of these organizations. You know, I ask people when they look at an 11-year-old someone or doing things like that, what does an 11-year-old know to do with the catalytic converter? They don't. They're being sent out. So what we need to do is we need to hold everyone accountable for their actions and make sure that we're working up to get the people that are actually uh, directing these folks, the organizations, uh, to do this. So we need to do more than one thing at a time. And we will under my administration. Now, the violent crime rates are coming down, but there are still people, especially young people, being shot every day. How can the state's attorney's office play more of a role in helping to bring down that part of it? Because that's, let's face it, when people think about crime, it's the, the that kind of violence and fear that's very real for them. Right. And I appreciate you uh, leading with the facts there, but you're absolutely right. When someone has a fear of going downtown, when someone has a fear of coming outside after a certain hour, you know, we have to address that too, because fear is real. So I'm, I'm running for people who are scared to come downtown or scared to take public transportation, but I'm also running for, you know, the, the individual that's been pulled over uh, wrongly, a pretextual stop. I'm running for the, the, the business that feels like they need to close up shop because of crime, but I'm also running for the worker whose wages have been stolen or the community that feels like they have to look over their shoulder. So when we talk about gun crimes, we have to address that head on. I am committed to any crime committed with a gun to aggressively prosecute. And what people need to know is that there is certainty in the prosecution, that if they commit a crime with a gun, that they will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. People, we cannot allow people to continue to disrupt uh, our communities and to continue to take lives uh, recklessly. Uh, I told you we're going to hold everyone accountable appropriately and that my platform is safety and justice. But this is part of the safety uh, aspect. And people need to know that we're holding everyone accountable. And the justice aspect of it is that we're holding everyone accountable appropriately. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Clayton Harris, the third Democratic candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. Um, as you know, at times, the city officials and others have suggested prosecutors are to blame when they don't bring charges or serious enough charges against people accused of gun crimes and such. Um, but how do you get people to see the balance that you have to walk because you know maybe sometimes the evidence isn't there right what we need to do is be as transparent uh not as transparent as possible we need to be transparent we need to let everyone know what's happening how it's happening and why it's happening we need to communicate to people so people need to see press conferences if people need to know that we're going to create a dashboard that has all of the data out there on made and then what happens with those arrests as we move forward with prosecutions we can do that with numbers and not giving out any uh privy information on cases as they're pending but so that people know that we're moving forward i think that it's extremely important for people to know that things are going on 
to ensure their safety. Does there also have to be more? I mean, you talked about the kind of cooperation you need to have with uh, the police. Uh, does there need to be more? I don't know if the training's the right word, but uh, understanding between prosecutors and police about what constitutes uh, enough uh, evidence to make a case and and keep track of when you're seeing it and when you're not seeing it. Absolutely. You you noted, or, or we spoke before, that I'm a professor at the University of Chicago, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm a professor of public policy. So data matters. And, you know, what we do is we look at the, we look at maybe where cases are or are not being accepted by the state's attorney after an arrest has been made. We analyze that data and then we go back and we talk to uh, uh, the, 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 the law enforcement agency and say, hey, look, you know, in order for us to move forward on a case, we need A, B and C. And what you're bringing me is A and C. So let's talk about where B is. And if we don't have A, B and C, then we're not moving forward with that. Part of this falls under the consent decree uh, that the city of Chicago is under when it goes with training and will be an integral part with training with officers as we move forward. And I think that this cross-pollinization aspect of it helps out. You know, we, 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 we need to work with uh, law enforcement, but we also have to have the bright line between law enforcement and the Cook County State's Attorney's Office because we're the ones that also have to hold them accountable. But I think that training so they understand what is necessary is extremely important as we move forward. I want to look at uh, another uh, part of this that job and, uh, frankly, what's going on in the state. Uh, and that's uh, mm-hmm. Safety Act is what, what I want to act because before it was enacted, including uh, some of the uh, prosecutors across the state of Illinois, most notably including uh, Will County State's Attorney, predicted that ending cash bail would turn dangerous criminals out onto the streets in droves. Uh, you've been watching the rollout of Safety Act. Um, what do you uh, think of how it is working so far? Right. That narrative was strictly fear-mongering, and we're not going to fear-monger. What the data has shown us is that we are actually safer with the implementation of the Safety Act. Uh, again, as a public policy professor, we're in, I teach this, and we're in the implementation and evaluation stage. And the evaluation stage is to make sure that there are no unintended consequences from the act. What we've known and what we've seen now is that this act implemented just no longer criminalizes poverty, but the individuals that are supposed to and should be detained while they're awaiting uh, the opportunity to um, to answer for what they're accused of is correct. We're holding the people that would make us uh, less safe in custody while we wait and uh, the people that um, have shown themselves not to uh, go back to court. So uh, the scenario that I use is when I was um, in bond court or when I was in arraignments, we would talk about a defendant's background. We talk about what's being alleged in the case. And based on that, a judge would uh, um, determine the amount of bond. Well, having gone through narcotics, you know, some of these gangbangers, they wouldn't know how much or uh, be able to estimate how much the bail was going to be, how much bond would be. And they would bank that amount of money and they would be out, you know, before the end of the day. Now, what we see is when there's a violent crime that's committed, we can move to a detention hearing. We have very smart and well-trained ASAs now that understand the law. And when a violent crime comes up, what they do is they make a motion for a detention hearing. And then there's a hearing to hold on whether to hold this individual in custody uh, while they await uh, trial. It is working exactly how it's supposed to work. 
The other part of it that I like to uh, educate and, and remind people about is you can have that same scenario in a domestic violence situation where maybe this individual has never been arrested before. But finally, you know, the, the, maybe the woman is uh, 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 built up the strength or there was a police report and they and they've charged this individual with with a crime. What we know and, I, I, and I've lived this, I've lived this. What we know is when this individual is out, like, you know, we get up there, this individual is alleged, your honor, no background. They get a bond and they're able to make it. But that woman is in danger at that point in time. Well, this also allows us, if we believe that there's a danger to society or an individual, to detain this individual as well. So now what we do is we at least give uh, this individual the opportunity to get out of the situation. So she's not going back that day or that night when we know and where we know she'll be in danger. So this is working exactly how it's supposed to work. Uh, but preparing for those detention hearings, it's gonna, it takes time, it takes more people. How will the office be able to handle that? How will you handle that in the crunch of the cases themselves? I've been through uh, bond court and what it will be is it's a motion and, and, and it moves over. So it will be staffed correctly. Um, there is a, maybe an, another underlying question about uh, recruitment and retention there. Uh, but but we, we work it through the same way we did bond court uh, originally. So another step in there that uh, comes to and through when we move to a detention hearing. I think it's very appropriate um, and that uh, where we are currently, where uh, they are currently in the state's attorney's office is that it's working the way that it's supposed to and there aren't any delays whatsoever. But to the question of, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I was about to ask you the question you're about to answer, uh, which is uh, th there has been a lot of attrition in that office. Uh, pro the prosecutors are overworked. Uh, so how do you deal with that? Uh, how do you have enough people to handle the additional load and the additional hearings? We are going to have to recruit more attorneys to come into the office. But what we need to do, and again, this is why it takes management, someone who can manage an office. Uh, the solution isn't only hiring more attorneys. Uh, a solution is making sure that we have parallels in there that can take some of the load off of the attorneys uh, while they're preparing the cases and while they're going and having legals like in, in any law firm help uh, with the other aspects of the job so that they can do that. So that's one thing. So we're going to hire paralegals and other attorneys to ensure that um, we're, the office is being run efficiently. So that's the first thing I remind people or <clears throat> excuse me, tell people how I got to the office was I was recruited. I was recruited. Uh, uh, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office under Dick Devine came out to Howard University School of Law. That is how I got there. They said that we had an issue with race in the office and we needed more attorneys of color in the office. I absolutely respected that. And that's why I came out here. Well, we need to make sure that representation in that office continues. So we're going to be very specific about recruiting individuals. Uh, uh, when we talk about different communities, uh, there are nine wonderful uh, law schools in the state that we can visit. And then there are specific law uh, schools around the nation that we can. One thing that COVID uh, showed us and like we're doing right now is we can do things a little bit more efficiently electronically. So we can get to a lot of uh, uh, law schools without actually having to physically be there. But I think the other thing that we have to do is we have to meet um, our attorneys and staff truly where they are. If you have someone who whose forte is writing and they love writing, 
then it doesn't make sense to send them to traffic court. What makes sense is, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. What makes sense is to have them in criminal appeals so that they can write and, and, and use their expertise there. If you have someone who wants to be in a courtroom uh, immediately, then we give them the pathway to get to a felony trial courtroom. Uh, if we want someone or someone's in there and their, 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 their love is the environment, then we put them over in civil and we let them deal with toxic torts. What we need to do is be uh, uh, very targeted on the individuals that we're hiring and ensuring that the people that are already in the office, these individuals that have love for this office and want to stay in the office, are used to the best of their abilities. We need to bring and make sure people remember the prestige of this office and what we're doing, why we're doing it and how we're doing it. That's the reason why I came there. We were doing good work and that work really was. And I keep coming back to this, you know, it, it may seem sound very political or whatnot or talking points or whatnot, but it's what I believe in, safety and justice. We all deserve safe neighborhoods and to be able to walk downtown without fear, but we all need to make sure that anything that's happening is administered in a just fashion. So this is how we do it. Everybody in that office, every attorney in that office is a licensed attorney and they could be somewhere else making more money. They're there for the love of the office and what we do. That's why I went there. And that's the reason why I want to come back. And, but what is the, uh, what is the elevator pitch to people today, young attorneys today, because it is not an easy an easy job it is it is a job that can be high pressure sometimes and certainly you can be juggling you know more cases than you would if you went to one of those uh, cushy law firms well nobody's coming to the state's attorney's office to uh, uh make money uh it's truly for the love so we have to let them know that you know if this is your passion right here we're going to get you there and doing the good work to follow up that passion. Now, uh, you know, let's let's talk, you know, for real, I'm not dismissing this as well. We have to make the pay competitive. Uh, currently, the assistant state's attorneys are uh, paid lower than the public defender, so we need to be on par. We need to make sure that when someone is giving up their weekends or there are other things that are going on, especially when they're in felony review, that there's some type of bump in compensation for them acknowledging the work that they're doing. Um, but as far as the caseload and whatnot, that's going to come on the hiring of more attorneys and um, paralegals so that we take that caseload off. So they need to know that uh, their their state's attorney has their back, understands the position that they're in, because I was in there when I came to the state's attorney's office. I actually took a pay cut uh, coming from the Pentagon to go uh, to prosecute here. But I did it because uh, I, I wanted and, and was in love with the mission of the office. So we want to make it as easy for individuals to come in and to stay uh, in there and to get the training uh, that they want, to get the cases uh, that they want to uh, try and, and, and to build through, be it in the criminal division, the civil division, whether we're talking about juvenile justice or whatnot. There are a lot of opportunities to do a lot of good work in this office. Well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the campaign that you're in. Uh, both uh, both you and your opponent are, are are novices when it comes to actual campaigning. Uh, but uh, what should voters think about the endorsements that are lining up on both sides of the ledger in this race? I think that uh, the endorsements, at least uh, the ones that I've received, are, are extremely telling. I'm very proud of proud of the endorsements that I have from elected officials, both nationally. Uh, um, and through the state, federally, I, I mean, and, and statewide, I'm very, very proud of the um, endorsements that I have from labor and from um, 
different communities as far as activism, uh, activists, uh, victims, advocates, uh, as well as uh, other law enforcement groups that are moving to and through and looking at the campaign. I think it's very telling when it comes to um, who they believe has or will have the best judgment uh, to lead this office. And I think that judgment absolutely matters. You and your opponent agree on a number of issues. So so give me tell me what the real choice is here for voters. Well, I think one of the things uh, that should be noted and that the voters should be very well informed of and aware of is the case that my uh, opponent prosecuted when she was in the office. She prosecuted a 10 year old black boy, uh, a wrongly convicted uh, uh, child for murder. When I learned about that case, I was deeply disturbed. I was deeply disturbed because the evidence screamed that there was something wrong and she still moved forward in the prosecution. There was an officer in there and it was everything that was in there. Uh, uh, it just it, it defied logic. And, and what people need to know uh, is that as the state's attorney, I will empower my assistant state's attorneys to hold police officers accountable for their actions and to ensure that when we move forward on a case that we are absolutely sure that this is the right way to go. Even since then, and this having come back up now, some 30 years later, people are like, why are you bringing up you know, something that happened 30 years ago? And, and, and I'm bringing it up because there are people who are sitting in prison for 30 years for crimes that they didn't commit. It is not justice. And it certainly doesn't keep us safe if the wrong person is in jail for a crime that they did not commit. So I think when I talk about judgment, this is one of the things that people need to weigh in on seriously. Even since then, and since it has come back up, there still has not been an acknowledgement of what happened at that time or any type of, of, of you know, consideration that maybe it was wrong to move forward. There's no empathy whatsoever about the fact that a 10-year-old child was wrongly convicted for murder. Um, and that's disturbing. And I, I take it extremely personally. I have two little boys, I told you, nine and 11. Either one of them could have been that child. Well, that's going to be the last word. Uh, and thank you. That is Democratic candidate for Cook County State's Attorney Clayton Harris III. Thanks for spending the time with us. Next week, we expect to talk with the other Democrat in the primary, Eileen O'Neill Burke. Uh, in a in heavily Democratic Cook County, the primary has often but not always been tantamount to the election. But there will be other candidates in November. Former Alderman Bob Fioretti is the Republican candidate and Andrew Charles Kapinski is running under the Libertarian banner. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 